We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace with the Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Peace with the Process. You like that beat going on in the background? I've always kind of enjoyed that. Well, I guess you could probably hear the sirens going on in the background right now. But I thought I'd spice it up a little bit today because I'm just feeling good. You know, I'm recording this on a Monday. Great start off to my week. I'm happy to be with you guys wherever you are while you're listening to this podcast. And I'm happy that you tuned in. I'm loving it. So I just want to go ahead and thank everybody for all the support that you guys have given me so far. Today is episode numero 20. Hope I said that right. Number 20. It's our episode number 20. And I'm super excited uh, to hit this small little milestone. Several milestones to go. uh, But I'm excited to be this far in the journey and uh, be enjoying it with all of you. Thanks everybody who has left a rating and review. It is extremely appreciated. If you have not done so, please take a moment, pause the episode right now, and head on over to wherever you leave a rating and review on whatever platform you're on. It goes a long way to helping out the uh, the show get out to other listeners, people who are interested in growing themselves, developing their routines, you know, all kinds of self-development things that we have going on. Today's episode is going to be an amazing opportunity for people to get some insight into what books can do for your life. I mean, I'm sure none of you have um, any opposing beliefs as to what books can do for you. There's just, uh, there's just so many amazing things that they can do for you. And today's guest, Nick Hutchison, is going to be an amazing uh, guest to tell you what he's learned from books, why he is just so uh, passionate about learning through books and where all of those books that he's read, where they've taken him, because you can go off into different paths in life, depending on which book catches your attention and you read another book like that and another book like that. Well, that kind of gets you on a different path and you start reading all these other kind of books and then it opens up amazing pathways uh, to your life as well as uh, adding some tools to your tool belt. We talk about that on the show today. Uh, But before we get into that, if you are interested in having conversations about today's episode or you get some insight and you want to share it with some people you know are going to communicate back with you, then head on over to Peace With The Process Facebook page and uh, let us know what you thought about today's episode on the teaser video that we uploaded today. If you're listening to this a few days after the upload, just go on the page and find it. I usually don't post too much between episodes. It'll be very close. Check it out. Put your comment on there, what you thought about today's episode. If you want some more detailed, some more uh, community around your self-growth, your journey, and all the different things that you're doing to grow yourself, then head on over to Peace With The Process Facebook group. We are ramping that up little by little, getting more people added to it here and there, uh, making sure that the people that we do add to that community are people who are going to contribute, people who uh, are dedicated to this self-growth journey um, as i know that you are so head over there and check that out answer a couple questions and we'll get you added to that group and get you added to the community another thing make sure that if you want to get instant access to today's episode to next week's episode and all the details all the tools and resources that we have for the episode emailed directly to you it will be emailed the second that the e- that the episode airs. So head on over to peacewiththeprocess.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom for your insider's access emails. 
there you're going to get all of the tools resources uh, gifts promos whatever we do in today's episode whatever whatever we discuss on the episode or don't discuss you know it's just some things that um you know me or the guests decided we wanted to throw in last minute uh, they're going to be included on that email. So check it out. Put your email in there, subscribe to the emails, and I'll send those over to you the second that the episode airs. So you have a link to go view the episode, and you'll have a link to go check out today's guest. All right. So I want to thank everybody for their continued support. Uh, if you have any questions, reach out to me on all my socials and enjoy today's guest. Here's Nick. All right, Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Blake. I'm excited to be on the show. I'm excited to talk to you and dive into a little bit of book thinkers today. Yeah, man, me as well. Uh, I hear you're up in uh, Boston right now, but you do a ton of traveling. Are you excited to get away from the snow or are you going to miss it? No, I'm definitely excited. So I grew up in the Northeast in the Boston, Massachusetts area, a little bit south of this city. And, uh, I was one of those crazy guys that played football without a shirt on in the snow and all that kind of stuff. But nowadays, man, I perform. I, I prefer the warmth. I prefer beaches and sun and walking outside at night and having a good time and eating outside. And yeah, heading down to Columbia for, for a few weeks for a little bit more than a month. And I'm just excited to be in the warm weather again. Yeah, absolutely. I would be too. Uh, I'm always excited to be in the warm weather when it's cold outside and I'm excited to be in the cold weather when it's hot outside. Yes. It just goes back and forth for me. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, no, man, that's amazing. You get to do a lot of traveling uh, with what you do. And I think that is phenomenal. I know a lot of our, our listeners, that's something that, that they are wanting to do for themselves. You know, there are people all over the world, everybody, I think loves to travel. It's just how much do they actually love to travel? Um, and for those of us out there who want to travel as much as possible, I'm excited to hear some of the ways that you have been able to make that possible for yourself. But let's get started with kind of like the origin story. Let me know how you got started with book thinkers and what led you to found that. Sure. So I had I had a pretty a pretty normal path, I would say, up until the end of college. And so I was a I was a decent student. I wasn't great at anything. I was okay at a lot of things. I played sports in high school, never really read a book. I went to college. I, I decided that I wanted to major in business administration with a focus in marketing, but I was terrible at marketing and selling. And I had a big fear of public speaking at the time. But I decided to go down that path after working for a painting company, actually, where I had to run my own painting business. I wanted to gain a little bit of experience. And it was one of those flyers on the wall in the college, you know, common area. And what I actually found that I loved was marketing and selling. And so I decided to make that my major. And I took a sales internship towards the end of my college experience. I was very distanced from my academic stuff. Like I didn't love going to class. I still wasn't reading or paying attention to academics. I was certainly not reading any personal development books at the time. And early on in this sales role, one of my sales mentors at the time recommended a couple personal development books because he told me, listen, man, you, you, you think it's too slow in the classroom. Why don't you condense decades of information in these personal development books into days of application, meaning you can learn all these great lessons from somebody's entire lifetime and then apply them to your life. That's a little bit faster. And so I read a couple of good personal development books early on, and that was the start of my love for reading. And so Reading did so many different things, and I'm sure we can dive into each one individually or whatever you want, but you know, it helped me fix a lot of the insecurities I had. It helped me become more fulfilled and define a purpose in life. It certainly led to book thinkers, um, which is a result of a couple books that I read, and I'll touch on that in a second. And it's just done so many things for my network as well. Everybody's happier and better when they're reading these personal development books and applying them to their lives. And so yeah, I just owe so much to reading, but that's kind of that's kind of the original piece uh, that happened, and there's a lot of other dominoes after that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what was what was one of those first books that you picked up? I'm curious to know. Yeah, the first book was Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and okay. that book is important to me for a dozen different reasons. It it was an introductory to personal development as a genre. I think that's probably where I learned that condensing decades in today's metaphor, because Robert basically tells you if you have an insecurity in life, 
there's probably a book that can help you solve it. And that was my biggest takeaway. For some people, that's an investing book. For me, it was just an introduction to personal development. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I'm in business school and everybody's talking about making all this money after school and starting businesses. And here I am, I don't know anything about money. And so that was a big insecurity of mine. I got uncomfortable and I exited conversations when money was brought up. And well, I didn't realize all you had to do was read a book for a few hours and now you're comfortable talking about a subject like that. And so I said, hey, where else can I apply this to my life? And that was the importance of Rich Dad, Poor Dad for me. It also taught me the importance of financial literacy as a whole and the fact that money is not taught in school, meaning we're not all on an even playing field. Money is only taught in the home. And where, where do you learn about money in the home from your parents? And so if you come from a poor family, you're going to learn poor money habits. If you come from a middle-class family, you're going to grow up thinking that it's okay to take on a lot of debt and climb the corporate ladder forever. But if you come from a rich family, man, that's where the rich money habits come from. And so that's why the rich continue to stay rich while the poor and middle-class continue to stay in debt. And that was just like this big aha moment for me as I learned about how money worked. And so yeah, that was the first book that made it happen for me. No, that's a great book. I've, uh, I've read it myself and uh, I absolutely agree. I think that's something that, you know, if we've got any listeners that are listening to the show that maybe they haven't really de delved into the self growth, you know, genre. I mean, there's, <laughs> we're going to get into all the benefits that the, that that genre has to offer, but I think a lot, one of the easiest ways to get introduced to it is, you know, a financial self-help book. Cause I think that's something that everybody innately just knows, Hey, this isn't something that I can just, you know, figure out on my own. It's something that is, I think they get past that. Um, you know, maybe that, that insecurity of, of seeking anything or anybody for help with an insecurity and, you know, they see money as well. Everybody's trying to make more money. Everybody's learning how to make more money. That can be my introduction. And then that can open up a whole new world. Yeah, I agree. Hey, listen, we're all forced to play the game of money, whether we are materialistic or not. I mean, we have to, to exchange money for virtually everything, food, shelter, water, fun experiences, whatever the case may be, we're all working jobs or, or entrepreneurs so that we can have money to put food on the table. And so learning about money has so many benefits. And there are certain things that, that, people who understand money are more efficient at than people who don't understand money. And they're taking advantage of the system and they're accelerating their own growth in life. And so it's definitely a great area to start with. And there's so many different levels to that game too. I mean, some of those great introductory books will open up the door and you'll start to realize how much you don't know, which can be a little bit daunting at first, but then you can start to go down those different paths and kind of cover up um, your financial portfolio from different areas. And anyway, yeah, I love money as an introduction because we can all relate to it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was happy to see on your Instagram, you had featured uh, Dale Carnegie's collection. And mm. that was actually my first introduction to it. I realized that I was crap at communicating with people. And uh, I think my stepdad had a copy of this book. He said, here, you know, check this out. And that was my first introduction to it. So um no, I, I love hearing about the first book that opens up this whole world of, I always call it like, it's, well, I guess I really don't have a phrase for it. I was trying to come up with one on the spot, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's schooling, it's schooling outside of schooling. Like yeah. school does not teach you these things. And you, you know, you sometimes assume that you're just going to come across these, these amazing principles, concepts, formulas all of this great stuff, you think you're going to, a lot of people think that they're going to come across those as they get older or as they have an experience, but you can accelerate that by picking up a book. So I love that. Yeah. Some, sometimes I hear people call it alternative education or intangibles education because like, let's just take leadership as an example. That's something that's very hard to grasp. And there's a lot of different schools of philosophy about it. And so it's tough to teach one generalized form of leadership in school or something like that, unless you go to school for it specifically, maybe like after high school. And so leadership, you can model the behavior of people that you look up to. Like if you thought Steve Jobs was a good leader, there's a half a dozen books you can go le uh, read about his leadership style. And that's an intangible thing. It's alternative. And so, yeah, personal development is, is great for those kind of intangible skill sets. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So 
you you start diving into this self-development journey and you fall in love with books being one of the biggest sources. Mm-hmm. When when was the aha moment for um, book thinkers? So I was meeting up with a friend of mine every week. His name was Alec. And we're meeting up in basically like the, the common area of my dorm building at college. And there were a bunch of whiteboards. And what we would do on a weekly basis was sit down and write and discuss all of the things that were bothering us because we were looking at creating a business to enter into a pitch competition, essentially. And we had read this book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And in the book, he talks about this concept of a third mind, which basically is one plus one equals three. When two people are in the same room, thinking in the same direction, pulling the sled in the same direction, you create this third mind where creativity blossoms and all these great things happen. And we're trying to cultivate that for ourselves. We called it a mastermind group. And so we're meeting on a weekly basis. And I had just started, actually, I put up a website for book thinkers where I was just listing my biggest takeaways from the books that I was reading. Maybe that happened right after we started meeting and talking about this. But the annoying thing for me was that I was making this book stuff public on all my personal socials, but people were asking me the same questions. Because I went through this transformation that was pretty public, which was ego and insecurity to happiness and fulfillment. And it was pretty fast. Like it was a direct inflection point for me. And so when I started talking about all these books, people were asking repetitive questions. And so we were talking about that in this mastermind group. We decided to put up this website where I would just list my biggest takeaways from the books I was reading and what I thought about them. And so I could just flip that link to friends or family members who were asking about my recommendations in a certain subject or what I thought about a book. And that was kind of like the very you know, early days. It's kind of like that garage story that you see with a lot of other entrepreneurs. And, and uh, yeah, it came from that frustration originally. It was kind of pre-social media book thinkers. Yeah, no, that's, I love that because I actually touched on this in a previous podcast where I've, uh, I've had some guests on and I kind of observed their origin stories. And one of the things that I pulled out was that Sometimes people fall in. Well, I don't. I don't even want to call it falling into because there's intentionality behind it. Uh, I don't want to take away from that. But there's like a. It's almost a realization, and all you're doing is putting it out there. What you're interested in, you're putting mm-hmm. your journey out there. You're putting your your hobby, your interest, and you're just you're sharing it with the world. You know, and all of a sudden people start latching on and down the road, it becomes something bigger and then bigger and then bigger. And then it blows up from there. So I love hearing that that's uh, one of the ways that you came into to book thinkers. Yeah. In, in Ed Milet's book, Max Out Your Life, this was the first time I learned about the the reticular activating system in your brain, which is like your brain's filtering system. And so that's the common example is if you say yellow car, now everybody who's listening to this podcast is about to see a yellow car because your brain is now filtering for it. Although you think it's rare, it was probably there the whole time. And so I, this happened to me very, in a very distinct way with book thinkers for sure. But another example for me was real estate investing. When I first got into real estate investing and I made it public to my network because I wanted to see who else was in real estate investing, all of a sudden everybody was in real estate investing and I had no idea about it before. So yeah, I love just kind of like putting your stake in the ground, stating your mission to the world, almost in like an alchemist Paulo Coelho way. And then the universe will conspire to help you achieve whatever you put out there. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And um, so, and then after kind of building that website, is that the point, when did it turn into uh, the podcast that you guys have going on? Because I like what you guys do there. Yeah, we, you know, our entrepreneurship journey has a ton of pivots already, like a dozen of them. So the first the first thing that we tried to do with Book Thinkers was build a mobile application that could help people retain and implement more information from the books they were reading. We thought, okay, mobile is growing like crazy. People already have places where they can discover books, buy books, read books. You know, you can read a book, listen to a book, get an ebook, whatever the case is. Where do your notes go? How do you systematically retain more information from the books you're reading? Are books really a singular experience or should they be expanded for years to come? You know, should Mm. you be revisiting those notes? And so we tried to put together a mobile application. We outsourced a build to a company in Argentina. It eventually ended up failing. We then 
saw a bunch of growth on Instagram and we tried to do a few other things uh, prior to the podcast. We tried to be sort of like a book e-commerce spot where we were selling t-shirts and other fun swag. We uh, took a second stab at the mobile application actually. And um, once the audience got big enough, you know, the first step prior to the podcast was actually working with authors and publishers to help promote their books to our audience. And so once, you know, once I got inbound DMs, Hey, how much do you charge for a book review? Like that was the first business model. And it helped us accelerate the growth of that Instagram by borrowing the credibility of these authors and having them repost and share our stuff. Once it got big enough, we had so many cool relationships with so many hard to reach kind of like a list personal development authors that we thought, Hey, we've got to put this into a podcast. And so the podcast is really only six months old, but uh, it's become a big pillar for our business. Yeah, absolutely. I've already subscribed to it. Um, Yeah. There's a, yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's another gentleman um, that I think his episode is going to come out uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to drop his name because I wanted to surprise some people, but he has a podcast as well where he does a lot of these different book reviews. And I, and I latched onto that and um, you know, having another source for that. But I think yours is uh, you're actually having those authors uh, on the show. A lot of the times you're um, having those conversations with the authors. And then I, sh- I also saw that there's a, um, a, a, you're getting some really big opportunities to really uh, give your audience some opportunities to get involved in some of these books. I, I think I saw something uh, that you were pushing out. You guys are giving away 200 copies of a book. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of unique opportunities. I mean, authors are motivated in so many different ways. And so sometimes it's all about impact. People want to get their mes- their mission out there and they want to positively impact the world. And so giveaways are a good opportunity for an author to leverage our platform and our audience to get their books in front of as many people as possible. And that's it's so funny because that giveaway has sparked so many inbound giveaway opportunities that I think we're now going to be doing monthly 100 book giveaways, which is super cool. And uh, at no cost to book thinkers uh, moving forward, which is really nice. It's It's a fun little business model just for authors to get books out there. And then, you know, other authors are motivated by selling books. And so there's opportunities to work with us to make that happen. Other authors are motivated uh, by just getting the book out there, getting some Amazon reviews, and now using that to get speaking gigs. And so everybody has a different mission. And and what we've been trying to do is just ask questions and kind of understand what they're what they're looking to do, because we have two customers. We've got the authors, and then we have the 100,000 people in our community on Instagram who are looking for book recommendations. And so, you know, how can we marry the two? It's the podcast, it's the giveaways, it's different things like that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's substantial from what I've seen from a lot of people who are able to, uh, to have guests on the show and do a lot of great giveaways. I mean, a hundred books, uh, and then I saw he cranked it up to 200, you know, for a special event. So, I mean, that's really good. What do you think it is that uh, inspires some of your guests to um, to be so generous in that way? I mean, to that level, because I get, you know, promoting and making sure that they're getting some things out there. But that's like I said, that's that's pretty big. Yeah, there's there's tons of different kinds of authors. But, uh, you know, with Bill Perkins in particular, who who's donating those 200 books, he's he's at a stage in his life where he just wants to give back. You know, if once you kind of achieve Maslow's hierarchy of needs and you have no financial stresses in life and everybody in your life is taken care of, you kind of want to give back to the world. And one great way to do that is books. And so for him, he, he said to me, Hey, I'm willing to take a small loss on these books to make a big impact in the world. And so for him, that's kind of his motivation. It's pure. It's true. He's a good guy. I actually just met up with him in Austin, Texas a few weeks ago. And we, uh, we took a couple of pictures and hung out for a little while and he's become a, a cool little mentor for us in a couple of different ways. That's really cool. That's, uh, that's, so how long, how long has book thinkers been, uh, been up and running since you guys first got started with the website? Yeah. So it's actually been since I, I went on legalzoom.com and I registered the business in the state of Massachusetts in January of 2017. So right after I graduated college, BookThinkers was like a website and we had owned some stuff prior to incorporating the business. So I would say like late 2016, early 2017. And there were 
many times where we pivoted ourselves almost into like inactivity. You know, if a business idea flopped and we got a little bit discouraged, we would really stop everything other than the Instagram. And so it was brought back to life again in late 2019. So really a little over a year ago when a friend of mine who was in an accountability group with me, he was meeting with me on a weekly basis at a WeWork space in Boston. So again, like there's this theme of whiteboards. And so we went through everything the book thinkers had tried to do. We went through everything that we currently had working for us and all the opportunities that I had in my brain that I just didn't have anybody to hold my hand as we executed them. And so he said, hey, let me get into the business. Let me buy half of this, kind of revive things for you, flood you with a little bit of cash, and let's take advantage of some of these opportunities. And so that was kind of like the resurrection, the most recent resurrection of the business. And uh, you know, I know it's a little bit of a crazy journey to follow, but a little over three years now. No, I mean, I love that you speak about how you've there were so many different things that you guys tried to do and they, they just kind of fanned out or they didn't work out, but then, you know, through staying consistent in some area, uh, you're able to come back together and give some extra pushes to get you that next level. And that it, and that it takes time. Um, there's a phrase I hear that's, um, what is it? I think it goes something along the lines of, uh, how to become an overnight success in 10 years. Yeah. Somebody I heard, somebody I heard said that. And, um, I think that, it just, it really just brings it down to level setting. You know, people for the longest time were throwing out the phrase overnight success, overnight success. And now people are starting to become more genuine with how they're uh, putting themselves out there with how they're broadcasting themselves that we're finally starting to see the realism involved in what it takes to go from idea to fruition. Yeah. And I think it's very important, you know, and, and, books, you know, my world as a whole, I think it represents a lot of the positivity in that space because a lot of these people who write biography or who write autobiographies or have biographies written about them where they give access, like some of the big icons of industry, they're very transparent about those early days. And it's very important for us as young, hungry, go-getter type people to understand it takes time. And that, that lie on social media about overnight success, I think it's harmful. People should know that it takes a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and that it takes a very long time. Like book thinkers, you know, we we're at a point where we have a lot of social momentum and the podcast is growing like crazy and we're working with all these cool people. But I mean, six months ago, we didn't have a podcast. And six months before that, you know, we had a, a fifth of the followers that we have now. And so, yeah, it takes time for the compound effect to take to take its course. That's for sure. And I think it's going to be a very long time still for book thinkers and we're willing to work at it. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about. And uh, I like, so yeah, I definitely try to be very transparent with our viewers as well. I've had uh, instances and, uh, and they'll, they'll hear about it on some of these upcoming episodes where I've had, uh, I've had to uh, really get humble with myself. And, and part of that was in the moment. Um, and I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and let them know there was, there was two episodes that I was recording and I got one of them. I got all the way through and realized I didn't even hit the record button. Yeah. I was all the way through. It didn't hit the record button. I was saved because, uh, the gentleman that I was uh, interviewing came on and, uh, he said, no, you're good. I always do a backup. So I got that one. And then immediately after him, the next guy halfway through our conversation didn't get, didn't hit the record button and he was generous enough to, uh, to do that. But now every single time I'm double checking that up there. So it's that, uh, you know, tons of, tons of failure that goes into getting to where we are today. Um, and that's yeah. just one very minute piece. Yeah. I've had, I've had two funny stories that I'll share too about our podcast. So one, uh, which was my very first episode, I, I had no editing skills for the podcast yet. So I didn't realize that if I was filming in the wrong camera view that I could go back and edit, make sure the video looked cool. And I messed up and I had somebody, I had Evan Carmichael on the show for a second time because I didn't realize that I could have fixed that mistake. So I made him come back for an entire second filming of an episode even though he didn't need to, because I could have just fixed it, you know, behind the scenes. And anyway, that, that was a goofy mistake, but it's, I guess it's kind of hard to describe. The other one is two weeks ago, 
I was in Austin, Texas again, and we were filming a podcast in person with Dave Hollis. And Dave was the president of Disney distribution, movie distribution and sales for like seven years, a really big position. Now he's got a book out and all this other cool stuff. And we were sitting in his backyard filming and I had him go through his introduction and we started the podcast and we're rolling through it. And I'm like, wait, I don't have anything recording this right now. Like, I don't know how I messed that up. I don't have, I didn't even set anything up to record. Like I we were just talking and I, anyway, it was such a mess. And thankfully he was kind enough to, to restart it too. So it happens to all of us. Yeah, man. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you shared that. I don't, I don't feel so bad for mine now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, um, so you, uh, again, I told you when we got started, don't be creeped out. I totally was checking out, uh, your, your Instagram and, yeah, no uh, and everything that you got going on, but, uh, you live a, a very awesome lifestyle where you're able to travel all over the place and doing it for, uh, very long extended periods of time. How have you set yourself up to do that? You know, and, uh, you know, what are some of the things that uh, maybe book thinkers has helped you out with? Um, and let me just clarify. So is, is book thinkers your, your, uh, your one and only venture right now? Or do you have anything else that's helping build that lifestyle? It is right now, but it wasn't for, for a long time. So when I graduated school and, and started book thinkers, so we're, we're back three years ago again, I took a position right out of school with a software company based in New Hampshire, and I had a sales role, which was actually in the office to start. So I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, and Tim outlines this lifestyle design concept where you could travel the world and live the life that you want and remote work, and none of that was part of the plan for me. In fact, I didn't even really respect or have any desire to do any international travel at the time. And a few things happened. I had a friend who traveled internationally. He went to Thailand and, you know, he's very spiritual and he ended up meditating on the side of a mountain and did this silent retreat for a couple of days, just like walked up to it, didn't plan it. And I just thought that was the craziest experience ever. So that got me interested a little bit in solo travel. Then I read the book Vagabonding by Rolf Potts, which is an uncommon guide to the art of long-term world travel. And that made it seem more realistic to me that it could happen and that it didn't need to be that expensive. But I still had that problem of like, hey, I have a, a location dependent job. Then I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and he gives this framework for taking a location dependent job and making it location independent, which starts with like, hey, asking your boss, can I work from home one day a week and we'll see if it impacts my productivity? Wait two weeks. Hey, can I do another day at home? See if it impacts my productivity. Then provide... Uh, actual data that says you're more productive at home, working more hours because you don't have your commute and you don't have the bot, you know, the office cooler, water cooler talk and all that kind of stuff and work your way to a remote position. And so it was a little bit accelerated for me. I was offered a remote position, kind of like a, a promotion, if you will, to get me out of that first position. And then I took full advantage of it. And then I started pushing the agenda a little bit. Hey, instead of working from a different state, can I work from a different country just for a week? We'll see how it goes. And once they were okay with that, you know, then the rest is history. Now I've been traveling a lot for the last few years and book thinkers is my full-time job now though. And book thinkers is totally location independent. I love being in front of these bookshelves, but I certainly don't have to be uh, if I pre-record content and video reviews and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that 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 is amazing. Uh, and I think a lot of people are being given that opportunity of all years 2020 yeah. with remote working becoming so substantial. Um, one thing I thought was really cool is uh, you and I actually read the exact same book that uh, that inspired us to this, uh, this travel, which is uh, Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. Uh, I loved that book. And uh, that book itself actually inspired me to sell everything I had. Uh, and put together a, an, an old Astro van and take off on a, on a vacation for four to five months. I told everyone I was leaving and never coming back, but I got homesick. I did come back. Yeah. And now I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting to that realization that extended travel stays, but not, not constant uh, on the road, thumbing it down the highway. If the van breaks down, wasn't the life for me, but I yeah. like that. I like that. Well, we're in the same boat. I, I love to do months at a time, but I'm not, I have a home base and it's nice to come back to the home base. And so it sounds like we're in a similar position. It, Rolf Potts has been on the podcast, on my podcast, and it was just so cool to thank him 
for that because I think travel is underrepresented as a pillar of personal development, like I've mentioned. And I give so much credit to him for helping me get over that hump. And my first travel experience was a five week, not five month, but five week uh, international stint by myself. And I didn't know anybody in the entire continent of South America. And I didn't speak Spanish and like what an uncomfortable experience, but what a beautiful experience at the same time. I was trying to live in the Tim Ferriss foot footsteps, I guess a little bit, but um, yeah, I owe a lot to that guy. Yeah, man. I'm going to have to check that out. Cause I, uh, I really like, uh, I really like rough pots. Uh, okay. So that, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show, which is to talk about how you've taken concepts from all these books you've read and you've started applying them to your own life. And I think this one is an amazing topic to get started on the traveling and the self growth that comes out of that. And, uh, specifically solo traveling. Tell us about that and some of the, some of the challenges that you had and some of the things that you've overcome through that. I think that's really cool. Sure. Well, my, my friend Derek, who did the whole silent meditation retreat in Thailand thing, he actually wrote an article about the benefits of solo travel. And he explained it in a way that I thought was very clear. He said, when you're traveling with another person, you have the opportunity to lean on them in awkward moments. Whereas if you're traveling by yourself, you have to face those awkward moments alone. And so an example would be, let's say you walk into a restaurant in a foreign country where you don't speak the language and you can't figure out how to ask for a table and it's not intuitive enough. They're asking you questions. You don't know what to do and you get all red in the face. If you're with somebody else, you could be like, oh, what do you want to do? You want to leave? You want to stay? Like, can you help me out? Whereas if you're by yourself, you got to figure out how to deal with the situation. And that's just one goofy example, but that happens all the time when you're solo traveling. And so, yeah, solo traveling forces you to embrace discomfort in a way that I don't think anything else does. And yeah, you, you know, going to a bar by yourself on a Friday night and like sitting there and having a drink when you don't speak the language, like that's a weird experience, but I'm so grateful for it. Uh, asking directions and finding your way around. And like a funny example is I had never traveled internationally by myself. I show up at this airport in Buenos Aires and I didn't exchange any cash before. And I got taken advantage of by one of those people that's like, you know, taxi, taxi grabs my bag and just starts walking. And I'm like, uh, okay, I guess this is how they do it here. Follow this guy, get in his car. Where are you going? Uh, you know, his couple words of English. And, and I just show him the address and he just takes off. And I try to ask some questions. I'm trying to translate on my phone. I have no service. It's not working. And, you know, he's telling me he doesn't accept U.S. dollars when I get there. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I'm pulling my hair out and then I'm staying at this Airbnb, but the security won't let me in and they don't speak English either. And I'm just like, ah, but I'm so grateful for all of it. And um, anyway, intentionally embracing discomfort happens when you travel solo. I mean, it really does. And it happens every day. And then I have this whole excursion trying to go to the grocery store because I'm thirsty and I know you can't drink water out of international sinks. And I'm like, where can I go get bottled water? And at the cash register, there's nothing that tells me digitally how much I owe them. And they're trying to say it in Spanish. And I'm like, what's happening? I don't know how to pay for this. Just take all my money. I don't care how much I just want water. Like, you know, anyway, without rambling too much more, uh, I just think that intentionally embracing discomfort and enforced networking, I guess, as another thing like those happen internationally when you're traveling alone. Okay. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. What is, what are the, uh, I don't know, what are the accomplishments, the inner accomplishments that, that come out of putting yourself through those uncomfortable situations? Cause I know I try to trust me. I try to pitch this kind of stuff to my wife all the time get uncomfortable, go, you know, get outside of your comfort zone. She went to Florida this last week and uh, she wanted to go to Disneyland or Disney world, one of the, whichever one's in Florida. Um, but her, uh, her sister wasn't able to go. She was working the whole time she was there. I said, go by yourself, just mm-hmm. go by yourself. I will pay for your ticket. If you go by yourself, she ended up not doing it. She, she, she hasn't quite, or she may understand it, but I may be explaining it wrong. So it, it help explain it to the listeners that that can't make that connection between getting dis, uh, getting uncomfortable and what that actually does for them. So the easiest way for me to explain my experience is desensitizing yourself to the uncomfortable situation. And so through repetition, like let's use public speaking as an example. If you're terrified of public speaking, like I used to be, there's a couple of different ways to approach it. But if you work with a professional tutor or something like that, the first thing they're going to do on day one is put you on stage and make you speak. 
Why? Because you're going to realize through the repetition that it's not that scary. And you're going to pick up skills on the way while intentionally embracing that discomfort. You'll desensitize yourself to the uncomfortable part of the uncomfortable experience. And then eventually, like through repetition, it starts to get a little bit more comfortable and you gain more confidence. And all of a sudden now you have stories to tell and you have a little bit of swagger about yourself and more opportunities are opened up because you're a good speaker. Same thing with cold showers. Like that's another really, I think, simple example is on day one, let's say at the end of your shower, you want to just crank it down cold because you want to test your willpower. Well, it's going to stink. You might only last two seconds, but you just desensitized yourself a little percentage point. On day two, you do it again. Now you crank it with a little bit more enthusiasm. The cold water hits you, maybe only last another second or two, but you get out of the shower. You repeat that over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you're doing two minutes in a cold shower. Maybe your whole shower is cold. You know, you're singing, brushing your teeth in the shower. Life is good. You're soaping your hair. Like that only happens through repetition. It's never going to happen on step one. And so the brain piece that's happening with that, the neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity, your brain can change. You know, that used to be uncommon science. Now it's common science. We all know that for our entire lives, we can rewire our brain. And so with neuroplasticity, it happens in one of two ways. The first is this big euphoric moment where your entire brain rewrites itself about an experience, but that's very rare and very hard to intentionally cultivate. The other is slow steps in the right direction, that kind of desensitizing through repetition or the compound effect at work. And so I think desensitizing yourself to uncomfortable situations, I think the main benefit to it, so that's how I would do it. I think the main benefit to it is it creates opportunities. So your wife, if she had gone to Disney by herself, and now she's much more likely to go by herself the next time an opportunity presents itself. But not right now, because she didn't go, she's in that same spot that she was, which is like your first time cranking it to cold water. I don't know if that all made sense, but. No, it does. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I was, I, I was actually just admiring the fact that we were able to pull kind of a random growth topic and you're able to dive into such detail about what you know about it. I think that's a good thing to point out to the listeners as one of the benefits of reading. So if reading yeah. is one of those things that, you know, maybe you're, you're just not quite grasping the benefits that come on the other side of doing it every day. I was able to ask Nick any random growth question that, that we just happened to, to come across and he's able to talk about it in detail and provide me with information that, you know, helped piece together some things that, that I hadn't heard yet. Um, and so I think that that's, I think that in and of itself is really good. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. When I first started getting into this kind of world, uh, I admired somebody who a lot of people don't admire, which was Ty Lopez. And I watched a couple of Ty Lopez. He was the guy who did like Lamborghini in my garage, kind of like clickbait YouTube videos about books back in the day. And he used to say that he read a book a day, which is crazy. And I don't know how true that is, but uh, you would see him in an interview and he'd quote like these stoic philosophers and these icons of industry. And he'd go super deep on all these random subjects that it couldn't have been pre-planned. They were audience questions or whatever the case is. And I, I really admired that. And I thought, and at the time I was super awkward and I couldn't even hold a conversation with a stranger in the first place, whether it was virtual or in person. So I'm like, first I have to conquer that, which is a story, but then I want to learn how to quote all these amazing people. And so same thing, it's just repetition. I'm just in this world. I'm reading all the time. I'm reading 50 to 80 books a year and I'm learning from all these people. And then I'm teaching it back to my audience, which helps reinforce it. It's the repetition thing. And yeah, anyway, I'm, that's why I love going broad. Like people always ask me too, is it, what do you prefer quantity or quality? And I say both. You can read a ton of really good books and go super deep on every single one of them to the point that you do retain stuff from every book that you read. Okay. So then what is your, uh, what are your thoughts on, um, oh, what's the, what's the phrase, uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. So do you keep, do you keep most of the books that you read centered toward self-development? Is that too broad? Do you go more narrow or do you broaden it up even further than just that? Yeah, I like being a jack of all trades in 2020 or 2021 because things pivot so often and you need all of these crazy skill sets all the time. One of the best parts about 
books in general is you can read for future situations or future problems. Like you can read and develop a skill set that maybe you don't need today, but it's going to come in handy tomorrow. Or use the metaphor of a tool belt. Like maybe you're at the store and if you don't need a hammer, you're probably not going to buy one. But with a personal development book, if you have the time and the energy, you can get the hammer and put it in your tool belt. And then when a nail pops up in the future, maybe it's a week or a month or a year, you can take out the hammer and use it. And so I love using diverse perspective as another like kind of metaphor for this example. Like let's say that a problem pops up with an employee, right? An employee of ours, a subcontractor, something like that. I can filter through the decision-making process of all the different people that I've read about. So if I want to apply Steve Jobs' thought process, I would kind of think back to the books that I've read and the different management philosophies that he talks about. And I would kind of filter through how he would approach the situation. And then I can kind of turn to the other side of the table and think about somebody else and then somebody else. And it's like, these tools are always in your tool belt. So I love reading wide, not singular. There's a book called So Good, They Can't Ignore You uh, by, who is that by? Cal Newport. And he, doc, he talks about how specialization, there is a benefit to specialization because if you are the best at the best of the best, then you'll always have a job. But for me, it's like, I love having the diverse skill set. So for the way that I live my life and always in different countries and doing different things with book thinkers, like I love being the, not a jack of all trades, but like somewhere between a jack and a master of all, of all trades. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I can get that. I think that, um, you do need, you do need diversity for sure. I also read a lot of like, if, if I'm super interested in a subject, it's not like I read one book on that subject. And then I, I move on. Like I try to read more books than anybody else who considers themselves a master on the subject too. Like I love reading 10 books on a subject, including a bunch of like, you know, opinions that clash against each other so that I can kind of diversify perspective and stuff too. So are you reading multiple books at a time? I've heard some people do that. I think I, I do that a little bit myself, but how, what, what's, your, what's your method of absorbing the knowledge that you get from the books you read? So I, I typically listen to one book and read one book at a time, but they're normally not on related subjects. And so that's just like kind of an opportunistic thing. If I'm at home or I'm on a plane or I'm in a passenger seat, then I'll read a physical book. But if I'm doing chores or I'm in the car or or I'm in transition or something like that, I'll listen to an audiobook. And so what I do in a physical book, I rip them apart. I write notes, I underline things. When I finish the book, I always go back through and I try to take away my 10 biggest takeaways. And I'll rewrite those 10 either on paper or in an Evernote document. And so this mobile application that BookThinkers was supposed to really push out there, it exists, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend downloading it right now. Um, it's, it's meant to take those 10 takeaways and then automate what I'm about to explain, which is the systematic review of that information. And so once I've got my 10 biggest takeaways from a book, I want to review that as frequently as I can up front and then kind of space out that review over time because the repetition does lead to retention. And like we talked about with the reticulator, the the reticular activating system in your brain, if it's on the top of your mind, then the opportunities are more prevalent for you. And so by reviewing that information, you're identifying opportunities to implement it. And so that's for stuff that's passively implemented. For stuff that I want to draw out and implement immediately, I have an accountability sheet with everything that I do on a weekly basis and a goal. And then each week I meet up with my friends and we review our progress and the things that we tried to implement and what, what did we like about them? What did we not like? Are we gonna install it into a habit? Are we just gonna discard it? And so that's kind of what the process looks like for a physical book. And I'm, there, you might have questions there, but the audiobook is very similar. It's, I like to stop and write down the exact quotes from the book that I find interesting and then kind of like my thoughts on it in the notes section of my iPhone. And then same thing, once the book is done, I'll either write out those physical notes or I'll put them in an Evernote document and then try to systematically review them. Gotcha. That was gotcha. a lot of random stuff. But. No, you're good. It, it absolutely makes sense. I've, I've had a, a close friend of mine tell me that he goes through and, and summarizes each chapter, which was way too extensive for me. Um, I couldn't keep up with it. It ended up tripling my time to read a book. And yeah. uh, I, I didn't quite like that, but just taking... Uh, you know, 10 takeaways, 
you know, and having 10 takeaways from an entire book may be a challenge to keep it down to just 10 takeaways. So I think that's good, actually. I like that. I, th- I think I might adopt that myself. And Go ahead. I, I, think I was I just going to say, say some, sometimes there's only one thing that you want to take away from a book too. Like, so it's not always 10 for me, but the max for me is 10 because like the first time I read Think and Grow Rich, I, I remember I got on an Evernote document and I wrote down every single thing that I bracketed and it was like 200 items. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, how in the world am I going to implement and constantly reflect on 200 things? Maybe there are categories or groups of items that could be bulked together into one item. Maybe there's one of those quotes is kind of going to get me into the headspace of where I am with these 10 quotes and kind of condense them down into one. And so that's just a little bit more of the process. Like it's not super strict about 10, but 10 is the max. And then, you know, if you don't get one takeaway from a book, then, you know, normally you can get at least one. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah i agree with you i don't think i've ever picked up a book and not had a take a good takeaway from it at yeah. least one um okay so talking about you know your 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 processes one of the things that i definitely want to talk about um because i know we're getting close on time here but what are some daily weekly uh, things that you have in your routine that you pulled from something you've learned in a book and and i'm asking this because if you've implemented it in your, in your daily routine or weekly routine or monthly, whatever it may be, something that you habitually do, it must have been so important because you've read so many books, you know, what is it, 150 to 200, maybe more? Yeah, more. I mean, 50 to 80 over the last like four years-ish. Okay. So, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say it's probably, and there was a year that I did like, a little bit more than that too. So I would say it's probably 300 ish. Wow. Yeah. This okay. year I stopped tracking after 60. Cause I like, didn't want to stress myself out about the numbers and I hit 60 like three months ago. So I'm not even wow. sure how many I'm at this year. That's insane. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. Tell us anyway. Yes. Yeah. Tons of stuff, tons of stuff. So a very clear example for people I think would be my morning routine because it's got a, it's, it's got piecemeal from a million different places. And so my morning routine, the second that I get out of bed, my phone is across the room. Well, it's across the room most of the time, but it's so that I get out of bed to pick up the phone. And that's from a couple different books, like the 5am club, as an example, because if you can reach your phone, you're more likely to snooze it. Then the first thing that I do in the morning when I wake up is I drink this miracle morning cocktail that came from the book on the day on your life by Aubrey Marcus, which is a little bit of lemon juice, some Himalayan sea salt because it has electrolytes and minerals uh, as well as, you know, a bunch of water so that you can kind of kickstart your system. A lot of people wake up with coffee and there's an analogy in that book that says waking up with coffee. The first thing in your body is like waking up instead of a phone alarm with a fire alarm. And so ever since I read that metaphor, I'm like, wow, I got to have that hydration drink every single morning. And I've done that. I miss a few days here or there, but I've done that every single day for the last like year and a half, probably. And then right now I'm using a framework from the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, which uh, to start my morning routine, which has six components and it has this acronym SAVERS. So it's silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And so for silence, I use this Muse headband. Uh, which I just got before I used the app Headspace to meditate, but I wanted some feedback. So I got this like brain feedback device that gives you real-time feedback while you're meditating. And then for the affirmations, Hal Elrod in the book has this awesome framework where he creates like commitment style affirmations. And so I have affirmations for my health, my wealth, my communication with friends and family, as well as for happiness and fulfillment. And so I choose one of those and I go through it a couple of times for visualization I think about my ideal day. I look at my calendar. I know it's on my task list. I literally visualize myself going through the task like with joy and happiness. For the exercise, I use this thing from another book. Um, It's this basically resistance band uh, workout that's only 10 minutes long and it sort of replaced the need for the gym for me and you still get a full body workout. And that's from another book called Weightlifting is a Waste of Time by John J. Quish. (laughs) And then for the reading, I read for 15 or 20 minutes right there in the morning as part of the routine. And then for the scribing piece, which is really another word for journaling, I use the Daily Stoic and then the Daily Stoic journal, but I'm also implementing a new journal 
that I just read about online um, starting right after Christmas because it's a gift. Uh, like I bought one for me and one for my girlfriend. So hopefully she can't hear that. But um, that's another thing that I implemented. And then right after that, I do some Spanish lessons because I'm in the process of learning Spanish. Estoy aprendiendo español. And then that's typically where I'll go and get a cup of coffee. And so for coffee, like I even have stuff from books for that. I've read a couple of Dave Asprey books and Dave Asprey is a biohacker and talks about the benefits of MCT oil and your coffee, as well as consuming a little bit of fat. And so I do that. I also have a supplement stack that I take in the morning during that morning coffee. Um, and I'm doing intermittent fasting, which came from another book. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I know that was a big ramble, but that's the structure to like the front half of my morning routine. And they're all from different books. So those are a bunch of implementation examples. That's amazing. I, uh, I, I often think that the things that I do, um, people look at me and they think that I'm crazy. I'll show them my schedule. I show them how I analyze my day and things like that. And they're like, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot. You're doing a lot. I think you're outdoing me. Nick, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're outdoing me. So I like that though. That means, uh, that means I'm talking to a different caliber of person and, uh, and it's guys like you that I like to surround myself with who's you're soaking up so much of this knowledge, um, and using it in your life. So uh, there's no need to even ask the question, you know, is it, you know, has it benefited you in, uh, in the best way possible? Uh, because it's apparent. Uh, it, it pours out of you because of uh, because of your passion and your belief behind everything that you do. Um, so, you know, won't even pose the question because I, I agree with it and I know we agree with it. Yeah, there's an important kind of like follow up or reinforcement there, which is that I do keep this activity tracker where I'm meeting up weekly with a group of accountability buddies. and We all know each other's schedules and routines and what we're trying to implement and what our 2020 goals are and moving into 2021, what our goals are and stuff. And so we're always critiquing and challenging each other to become more efficient at what we're trying to implement. And so if one of us reads something that maybe challenges something else that somebody else is already implementing or part of our routines, like we're always having open discussion about it. And so for me, Yes, I went from that place of ego and insecurity to like happiness and fulfillment, but every other area of my life has those intangibles have all increased. Like my energy, as an example, just from all those, like, you know, the, the biohacking kind of like woo woo stuff sometimes, like my energy and the way that I structure my evening routine and my sleep and my morning routine is just through the roof. It's like, you know, we're recording this in the evening and I could talk to you for six more hours about this. Whereas the previous version of me going back like four years ago, I probably would have been exhausted by this time of the day. You know, mm -hmm. I want, I would just default to a bad habit like Netflix or mindless social media or going out for drinks or something like that. And nowadays it's like, no, nah, I'm focused. I'm ready to go. I'm still sharp, you know, and it's a result of all of this stuff. No, man, you're, uh, you're speaking my language. That's, uh, that's the mission of peace with the process here. Um, I know most of the people who are going to hop onto this podcast and, and listen to it are people who already agree with what we're saying, but I do believe so much in trying to, to show the people who haven't quite made the leap or all it takes is, is, is one good conversation to get them to, to step over into this amazing world of, uh, of all this knowledge, all these things that we can do to, to just make things better instead of letting life happen to us and, uh, you know, moment by moment things yeah. start drifting in the wrong direction. So I love it, man. One kind of, I'll throw in one final piece that, that I think is important here because a lot of people do recognize the benefits of reading and, and personal growth. Uh, but I always try to reinforce constantly on Instagram and in our communities and on the podcast that real behavior changes the goal, real tangible change. And so reading a book can be just like playing video games if you're not actually changing your life after you read the book. It's one thing to read about this information. Sometimes that's enough of a dopamine hit for people that they don't actually then follow up with change, but the real change is the goal. And so always follow through with the implementation. It's the harder part. Sometimes it doesn't feel as good. You know, you're embracing discomfort oftentimes, but that's where the, like the, the good stuff is. Absolutely. I agree. I think that's a, a, a great cap to the entire conversation that we had. Um, and I'll add to it just by pulling something else that you that you mentioned, which is so taking two concepts and putting them together. So yeah, the first step has to be 
one, your willingness to, uh, to want to grow and make the change. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, realizing that you can't do it on your own, which is what you say you do with your group of guys having the accountability. I think those are, are two extremely foundational parts. I'm part of a, uh, uh, part of a, um, what would you call it? It's a, it's a, it's a mastermind type group. Uh, it's called the iron council, uh, iron sharpens cool iron. Name. So yeah, man, it's pretty cool. Uh, the, uh, the order of man podcast, uh, the host on there for uh, Ryan Mickler does that one. Uh, you might take a look at them and check them out, but I, I do it with them. Uh, and they definitely do a great job of accountability as well. Um, so yeah, those are, those are two amazing foundational pieces. Um, I think we're, we're getting ready to wrap it up here, man. And it's been an amazing conversation. I could keep going, man. I wish, I wish we had, I wish we had more time, uh, but tell everybody, uh, where they can keep up with what you got going on and they can follow what you guys are doing. Sure. Just at Bookfinkers on Instagram is, is what I call our most vibrant, uh, community or area. We're on there every single day. There's tons of like-minded people that you can come and network with. And to learn a little bit more about our podcast, you can just go to our website and there's there's a little tab for the podcast and you can scroll through and look at the different guests. And each episode, we interview the author. And so we're having a direct conversation with them about the book and asking them fun questions. And we try to get outside of the box here and there. And so that's that's kind of our other fun community. But yeah, those are the two places. So check us out. Absolutely, man. And you've got a, a book club as well. Is that right? Yeah, we do. So we have a we have a book club coming out on well, one that starts on January 4th with Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning. And we're going to be hosting a couple book club meetups. And there's a private Facebook community that sits behind it. And then he's going to be hosting a fireside chat exclusively for people who sign up for the book club. So you can check that out. There's a link on the website too. And, uh, you know, just another one of those pivot points, like deciding if we want to continue with uh, the book club and connecting people with the authors as like a, as a way to make the book discovery piece more popular. So we'll see what, we'll see what we do with that. Absolutely. Yeah, guys, I'll, uh, I want to second that just simply because um, I have, uh, I've actually reached out to Hal um, and he's got a lot going on. So I wasn't able to have him on the podcast today, but I have looked into his book and I love the book. I'm a big time management fan myself. Um, and that's just kind of wrapping up everything we've talked about today. I mean, if, reach out and try to get involved in the, uh, in the, in the book club, uh, in on that group. One, you're going to, you're going to start reading a book Two, you're going to be around other people who are reading that book with you. And three, as I said, I'm, I'm pretty time management, uh, you know, crazed and, uh, the morning morning routines is something that's a amazing start to, to getting all of that done. So guys definitely check that out. And, uh, Nick, I, uh, I can't wait to stay connected and see what else you got going on, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Blake, let me know when it's out and I'll, uh, I'll blast it all over the universe. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nick Hutchison. I think it's just really cool how you can take one or two books uh, and then start with this, you know, kind of roots system in your passion for books. And then all of a sudden uh, you get the trunk, you know, whether that's self-development or uh, I don't know, maybe if you're a, you're a fantasy book kind of guy or whatever. And then as that trunk grows, then all of a sudden you end up with all these different, uh, you know, amazing opportunities that books open up for you and you get all the branches, you know, you get the branches, you get the leaves and you never know where these books are going to take you, what they're going to spark in you. Just like with Nick, uh, you know, reading one of Rolf Potts book and uh, he's really opened up his travel that he's done for himself and check out his Instagram. He's traveling all the time, all over the place. I believe he's in uh, Columbia right now. As we speak, we've been talking a little bit back and forth, uh, getting ready for this episode release and doing some amazing things up there. Definitely check him out on Instagram. That's where he says he's the most uh, vibrant, like he said, and uh, check out his website as well. Bookthinkers.com. You can check out the podcast. Also, if you signed up for the uh, insiders access emails uh, subscription, you can do that by heading over to peacewiththeprocess.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and subscribe to your insiders access emails. You will get a link to the book thinkers website, the book thinkers podcast. Uh, and uh, also you'll get a link to the book thinkers uh, books favorites list basically they took uh, a list of their favorite books uh, within different categories and they've listed that out for you guys obviously you can head over to uh, bookthinkers.com and find that for yourself but 
If you're like me and you would prefer to have everything all in one package so that you can get the link to today's episode, you can get the link to uh, our guest's podcast or uh, social media uh, links and feeds, and you also want to get the links to all the resources that our guests brought to us on today's episode, it's all packaged for you right there in the Insider's Access emails. You get that, again, by going to peacewiththeprocess.com, heading all the way down to the bottom of the page and filling out the subscription form. So there you have it. All right, guys, it's been an amazing day and an amazing experience to have you all along the ride with me. I want to thank everybody for their love and support. If you have not had an opportunity to uh, stop the podcast and leave a rating and review because you've just been so sucked into our conversation today, it was an amazing one. I know it's hard to peel your ears away from the content that we have going on, (laughs) but do it. Right now, hit pause and uh, leave us a rating and review. Uh, It is extremely appreciated. I want to thank everybody who has left one so far uh, and all of those of you who are about to leave one right now. Thank you, guys. And uh, also check us out on Facebook at the uh, Peace with the Process Facebook page. Or if you want to get involved in a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to grow no matter which way, method, path they decide to take. We're going to do a lot of trial and error. We're going to figure it out. We're going to have conversations around it and uh, bounce ideas off of one another. Go over to the Peace with the Process. Let me let me clear my throat. <clears throat> Head on over to the Peace with the Process Facebook group, and that is where our community therein lies. It is the startup stages of that community. So if you are somebody who is willing to get in, start strike up some conversation, and uh, really be involved, we want you in that community because we want to build a good, solid foundation um, of individuals who are just really striving to be growth-oriented. They're striving to share their interests, share their experiences, as well as ask questions of others and you know really pull out the best in each other because that's what I believe – this podcast was really designed for us to learn from other people, learn from their uh, successes and failures. And that's what I want our community to do as well on a bigger scale. So if that sounds like an interesting area for you, I want you to go over and check it out. Answer the two questions that you have to get involved in that group. And let's get you signed up and let's start an awesome conversation today. I'm really excited to hear what you might bring to the table. All right, guys, I love you all. And thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Peace with the Process.